very good morning to you and welcome. It is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio. Uh, Saturday morning, we're into the month of April and Pori Corkin is with us. Good morning, sir. Good How morning, are you? Deirdre. Good morning, listeners. A lovely, mild week, wasn't it? It was a lovely, mild week. Yeah, but it, it's been such a mild, a really, really mild week. And what I've noticed is that plants have, have kicked into growth. There's lots of the white thorn is, is you can see the young growth coming on, on lots of plants at the moment. Plants like Forsythiae, the lovely yellow flowering Forsythiae is in full bloom all over the, the, the county. Um, so you, you can really see the, the whole start to spring now, that really mild weather. And you'll notice in your lawn as well, I bet it's been growing in the last... It has, of, yeah. I got it. I think I got it cut on Tuesday evening. Uh, now, as I had said, it was extremely high grass, um, but it was good enough then on Tuesday evening to uh, tackle it a little bit anyway. Uh, it probably needs another bit of a trim. Uh, we kind of took the tops off it more than... That's the way to do it, uh, Get it started. Going, down, going down into it to any great degree. But yeah, no, it was good to get it done and it looks good actually now. Surprise, surprise. I was quite pleased with the result at the end. And this sort of weather is also great for feeding plants because they've kicked into growth now. So if you have trees and shrubs in the garden and you want to feed them, particularly with this moisture level, mm. um, this is the, they're going to need that bit of feed now this is the time to get it on it'll wash in very very quickly uh, with with that bit of moisture as well so it's a good time for feeding plants in general and just getting back into the garden and tidying it up but it's great to see the growth and that lovely mild weather even a day like today where it is a little bit damp the temperatures are going to be up at 14 15 mm-hmm. degrees great, yeah. and and that extended the, the light level obviously is longer now it's a we've a, a brighter period in the day than than a couple of weeks back so the growth is really going to accelerate now in the next couple of weeks yeah and i i actually did feel my laurels on, on Good well, on I was yes, I go. was very productive. Oh, very... Yeah, within a short space of time, uh, so I got a couple of things done, and then it did rain. So I was delighted. So I said, "That's great." Now it's all it'll perfect. Wash in, and we'll, yeah, we should see lots of results fairly quickly. Well, this weekend, you, yeah, you have a busy weekend coming. We have up, indeed, and, and this Saturday in particular, and tomorrow Sunday from twelve to five p.m. We have a free day in Turlock in the Garden Centre in Turlock. So it's a, an advice clinic. I have Mr. Osmo coming along. So he's going to be there to talk to people about uh, lawn care. So if, if listeners have problems, say, with moss and lawns or weeds and lawns or rushes and lawns or whatever, whatever your problem or you're thinking about putting in a new lawn and you want to talk about the, the type of grass mm. um, varieties to use, he'll be along uh, all day today and tomorrow in, in the Turlock Centre from 12 to 5. Um, we've also got somebody that will talk on Grow Your Own. So we have a talk start starting around the 12, half 12 mark on how to grow and what to grow in the garden um, from potatoes, from herbs, from vegetable plants and so on and, and what feeds to be using. Um, and also, we, I, I will be there for the, the next two days from 12 to 5 and the team, Peter and Michal uh, and Maria will be there just giving people advice. So if anyone has problems in the garden, if you've got, say, a bit of disease on plants or you want to know how to prune a shrub back mm. or you want some ideas, maybe you have a confirmation or communion coming up and you want some ideas in terms of what colour to use in pots and containers whatever the gardening question is call in this weekend Saturday, tomorrow, today and tomorrow 12 to 5pm there'll be a team of six or seven of us there to answer any questions and um, and it's a great opportunity to bring in a piece of a plant or if you have a problem in the garden or whatever it may be bring in yeah. a photograph or whatever it might be and it's a drop in you don't have to pre-book just call in any time between 12 and 5 today or tomorrow in our Turlock Centre in Castle Bar and that advice um, the weekend will go on from, from 12 to 5 on both days so it's a good opportunity to to, 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 to get meet the to, people yeah exactly and 
And yeah. to uh, get those questions answered, if you have specifics that yeah, are exactly. kind of hard maybe for us to address here on the programme. We'll never get round to the poll. No, we, do. well, we? we know we don't. We have to be perfectly honest and we try to cover as many bases as we can. But uh, yeah, there are always such a volume, yes. which is great, uh, but we don't quite get to everyone. So it's a, it's a drop-in service, as I said. You don't have to book. You just literally drop in any time. Um, the, other, the other key thing I think we've been neglecting the last uh, couple of weeks have, has been the grow your own. Well, um, I, I was just thinking, we, we haven't really talked about uh, growing potatoes, growing vegetables in general. We've stuck a lot to the lawn care and, tr- and trees and shrubs mm, and well, hedges. That's true, and yes. And, that has been the and t- of course, not to, not to be forgetting about Grow Your Own because uh, that is obviously something that is continuing to grow as, as a, I suppose, an element of gardening. Really. It's very popular, very popular at the moment. And again, with the soil conditions at the moment, I mean, yes, it has been a very wet winter, but soil conditions have dried up great. Growth is starting. So if you are interested in planting a little bit of Grow Your Own, be it a couple of seed potatoes or early new potatoes in the garden or in pots, if it's herbs in the garden, now's the time to getting those in. And all the, the vegetable plants, things like, remember carrots, I was talking about the sowing of carrots. Yes. It was too cold right through March to sow the carrots. But this sort of temperatures now, 14, 15 degrees, is just absolutely ideal with that moisture, that misty rain, is perfect germination conditions for all the root crops, carrots, parsnips, turnips, swades, radishes, beetroots, any of those root crops, they'll germinate within a two or three week period at this time of year, particularly with these temperatures. Um, and the planting of, of vegetable plants, so if you're interested in growing, say, some cabbage plants or uh, some peas or beans or French beans, both sowing of the seed can be done at this time of year and also the planting of plants. So there's lots of plants of available in garden centres at the moment, be it lettuce or onions or carrot plants mm. or beetroot, radishes, they're all available in garden centres. And I always advise plant a little bit of both. So sow maybe half a dozen cabbage plants, but sow some seed at the same time. So you've get that successive cropping right through the growing period. And varieties like cabbage and lettuce from seed or from plants can be planted. If you sow them every three to four weeks, you'll get continuous cutting then right through until September, October of this year. So really, I suppose the message is if you have, if you have neglected the, 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 uh, the vegetable plot in the garden, this is the ideal time to get back out there. Uh, start digging over the soil, start tilling the soil. It's the time to get those potatoes that you may have been sprouting indoors for the last week or two. Mm. Get those into the soil now. Soil conditions are ideal for putting them in. Put a little bit of feed in with them. So something like the Seamongous fertiliser is good to use or a potato fertiliser. That's important to, to add. Or if you've got organic matter, if you've got home homemade compost or some old mushroom compost or farmer manure. Put that in to the planting hole before you put in the potatoes. And uh, within three to four weeks, you'll be surprised how quickly, okay. certainly by mid-May, you'll see start to see the growth appearing above uh, ground level. And also for growing potatoes in pots, it's a great way. If you haven't got, you haven't got the space, yeah. grow them in some containers. Get yourself a couple of large plastic pots or potato bags and grow two layers of potatoes so fill the bag up with compost, put three or four tubers in, another layer of compost, another two or three tubers and fill the bag right up to the top with a good quality compost. Um, add some of the Seamongous feed again into the mix and leave that on the patio area out of doors and grow early varieties. So those lovely new potatoes like Orla and Colleen and mm. Duke of York, uh, British Queens, they're all super in pots. And by late June, mid-June, late June, you'll have a bumper crop of new 
potatoes, those really, really beautiful early potato varieties. So it's a really simple way of growing some potatoes. But I suppose the key message is, in terms of grow your own, this weekend and over the next week, 10 days, fortnight, is the time to start sowing the seed of plants, of vegetable plants and herbs, start planting some plants as well, and particularly for potatoes in the garden, is the time to get them in now over the next two weeks um, to get that crop early in the season. And if we are are to uh, kind of go at it full tilt and take that advice that you're giving of um, spacing it out, planting a little now, maybe planting yeah. again. How, 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 like in terms of weeks, how often do you well, need to space that out? How long can we plant up until? Well, the first thing I would do is is start plant plant some plants now because the nurseries have grown or the garden centres have grown the plants and sowed the seed a month ago. So you're buying a plant that's nearly three, four weeks old so that plant will actually mature very quickly but when you're planting some plants plant some seed at the same time so that will come on in a month's time as they'll be the same size as the plant you're putting in at the moment but for successive sowings for things like carrots parsnips for cabbage plants you can sow right up until the end of june every two or three weeks and that will bring you then cropping right into September, October. October. Plants like broccoli you can sow even later right into July. Peas you can sow right up to the end of July um, and many seeds can you can actually sow in the autumn time for a spring crop. So if you sowed seed of say spring cabbage back in September mm-hmm. you'd actually nearly be eating the heads no. at this time of year that have grown over the winter period. So the sowing of seed can go right up until early autumn and indeed there are varieties of seed that can be planted in the autumn for spring and, and early summer use as well. Okay, because that really, I mean, when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, is probably the best way to approach all of this because that way you're not left with a, a big glut at one point yeah. and that you do get to maximise whatever exactly. space you have and you're getting full yield from it. You're getting continuous and, and small, little and often is really the, the, the trick, you know, so so small amount of planting. Um, crops like potatoes, they just need to go into the ground. You don't, there's no successive sowing with mm-hmm. those. You really, over the, the next two weeks, if you're planting earlies secondarily or main crops you okay. need to get those into the soil because time is moving on um, so they go in all in one go but all of the other vegetable plants you sow over small little and often and sowing the seed as well and particularly with the temperatures we have at the moment mm-hmm. the seed will germinate out of doors within a two weeks period so it'll, it'll germinate very very rapidly do keep an eye on our friends the slugs of course indeed um, you can use the organic pellets or you can use um, you know one of the proprietary slug controls particularly just as the seedlings are coming through so really th- that's the key message is over the next two weeks if you haven't been out in your veg garden for herbs for potatoes for vegetable plants in general this is really the next the next fortnight is the key time and the weather conditions are just perfect, perfect for it yeah. ideal, yeah, ideal. You, can, you can really sense it yeah. all right at the moment and of course if you do have questions on grow your own uh, as Park said there is the advice clinic advice weekend happening uh, over the weekend so it doesn't necessarily have to be a problem that you're bringing no, in absolutely. it may be even if you're just starting from scratch and you're wondering where to go uh, pop in and, if they and just want to come in and have a chat yeah, between uh, 12 and 5 today and tomorrow. Great stuff. Okay, we're going to take a... I brought you, but before oh, you go yes, to a break, oh, I brought you, actually, yes. here's a new plant. I, I was at uh, one of the trade shows this week and I thought this was a lovely plant. Um, it's We were talking about mint last week. We were, yeah. And this is a new variety of mint. It's called basil mint. And I thought ah. it was different in that it's it's a perennial, so yeah. it grows year after year. Um, it's extremely hardy totally frost uh, hardy so you can plant it directly out of doors this time of year and leave it out for the whole winter and it produces basil like leaves so they're the shape of basil they are, of course, but they yes. have a, a slight taste of basil now we were 
Basil mint. Basil mint. Here, yeah. have, a, have a taste and okay. see what you think. So it's the kind of, you know how difficult basil is to grow. It, yes. It's, it's frost, the, the traditional basil is very frost sensitive and even if you get cold weather, it just rots That's really away. interesting. So this is, this is, I suppose, basil that you can eat all year round. And uh, it's uh, and it is more robust looking, all right. Absolutely, it's yeah. totally frost hardy. It's a sort of plant you could put in a pot, mm. stick it out of doors, and use it as an alternative to the traditional basil, which normally is really just during the summer period. You know, May, mm. June, July, you'll get the traditional basil. Whereas this one, this is one that you can use right through the winter. So it's a plant called basil mint, and like all herbs, as I mentioned last week, this is the time of year to put it into the garden. So it's something different. It is. And again, and, you can and, use it through and, the winter. And, you know, basil, uh, I know it comes back when you pull, pull it a little bit, but that looks to be far more vigorous, oh, this to is be a, perfectly honest. Absolutely. This is the a standard basil. Now, it's not as basil-y, I have to say, for a cook. <laughs> <laughs> no, be, it not isn't. Not to be entirely, you know, not to be misleading. No. But it is, but it, it, it is quite straight. There's a lovely smell yeah, of it, it is, as well. It is, it's yeah, a beautiful it? smell. Yeah. It is, um, it's a slightly different taste to the standard basil. Oh, it, it is. But it is very interesting. I'd say, I would like to see how that in a pesto now, Well, it, 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 it's actually... It is a mint, but it mm. has that basil flavour. So it's basil mint mm. if people are looking for it in the garden centres. And uh, great time to plant it. I'd grow it in a pot because it will spread. Mm. And it's the sort of plant, particularly for autumn, winter, spring use, where, where the traditional basil isn't available yeah. um, or you're not growing it in the garden. It's it's the sort of plant. It's lovely, actually. Plant. Yeah, yeah. there's something that's growing on you. It is, absolutely. And I can feel it in my mouth now. Um, what else have we got, Paul? I also brought in... Well, aloe vera? Uh, yeah, well, I brought there. the aloe vera in mm. because this is the time of year where aloe vera becomes available in garden centres mm. and as as we all know I was talking to actually Jerry Glennon uh, a couple of weeks back and I gave aloe vera plant to, to Jerry about two or three years ago and he still has it and uh, he was just asking me how to repot it and whatever but mm. it has thrived for him as he admitted on neglect. Yeah I have I have, I have two myself <laughs> oh, that are thriving. Uh, actually one that's the same particular variety as this because I mean there's a million and one different kinds of aloe vera I think. Yeah. Um, so I have one like this one um, which I have to say is doesn't know where to go next yeah, uh, in, in the pot it does need to be repotted but it most certainly isn't um, it's thriving it's, yeah, it's not lacking anyway that's yeah. for sure and it has mushroomed yeah. uh, in the last two years the other one is in a very small pot but it is still growing I know yeah, and, and different you, variety you shape. repot them about every mm. two years okay. um, but the key thing with aloe vera is that they're fantastic for gardeners particularly if you've got bruises scratches as we all do mm. rose cuts anything that anything that has a skin irritation bee stings for example terrific for that and all if you're growing the plant in the house all you do is literally cut the stem and the the juices you just wipe onto the the skin irritation so if it's a bee sting a wasp sting if it's just any skin acne or any other skin mm. disorder you'll find aloe vera extremely good and this is the actual plant that the juices of aloe vera that you buy in for cosmetics and for traditional uh, products are, is made from um, so it's available in garden centres at the moment it's such an easy plant to grow I thought I'd bring it in just to remind people that now is the time to get it and once you have it you'll have it for, for many many years and the trick is to keep it to neglect it yeah. to don't water it until the leaves start to nearly keel over and repot about every three years keep it in a bright sunny location somewhere in the house in a conservatory yeah. or in a windowsill and it's such an easy plant to grow so I just thought I'd bring that one in the other, the other few I brought were um, these are perennial wallflowers if, oh. if people wanted a bit of colour I'm conscious that a lot of listeners have confirmation communion coming up over mm-hmm. the next couple of weekends so they're interesting to add a bit of colour uh, around the house and these are lovely at the moment they're just coming into flower uh, it's a plant called Ericinum but if you're looking for them in garden centres look for the perennial 
wallflower and perennial means it comes back every yeah. year. But this plant, believe it or not, is flowering since February Isn't and will it? continue to flower possibly up to September. Yeah, lots of buds on the top of it. Lovely plant. Open, it just yeah. continues to flower so for such a long time. But they're particularly good at this time of year. And here's one. What else have we got there? No, there's the same plant. Oh, right. And that's a bit more mature, This is, is last year's plant. This is one that I kept is from it? last year. And you can see it, there's just masses of flowers. Masses of flowers on it. It's a lovely red variety. Um, and again, it's a perennial wallflower. So that you can see all the buds here have yet to flower. Yes. And it just flowers for such, even in very cold temperatures as we had in February mm-hmm. and March, it will just come into bloom and flower over a very long t- period. But they're particularly nice at this time of year. If you want that splash that's of colour, say over the next fortnight or three weeks or, you know, right through April, yeah, early May. Beautiful, beautiful colours. They're really nice. Mm. Um, the, and there's, there's another the variety of, of the perennial wallflower in orange. I'm so they come in oranges, lilacs, reds, yellows, those sort of shades of yeah. colour. So really nice plant um, and so easy to grow and they are perennial. They'll come back year after year. So the plant I brought in was Aubretia, which is nice at the moment. Yes. And for rockeries, yeah. for borders, for alpine beds, lots of colour at the moment. Um, and I also brought a, gr- a great old favourite plant. Yeah. This is this is one for that particularly our older listeners will remember. It's a plant. Your, your mam will remember this one. This is Phlox. Oh, right. Uh, yes. P-H-L-O-X. So Phlox. It's a perennial plant. It flowers in June. So it's a great plant. I think we had somebody last week looking for uh, plants that would flower after lupins go yeah. out of bloom. And this is this is a really great plant. It's a perennial as well. It's a herbaceous perennial. Like lupins, it flowers every year. But it comes into flower about the end of May and flowers through to the end of July. And it comes in a whole series of colours. Um, pinks, reds, uh, whites. So that's obviously a red purples. one. It's called Red Riding Hood, I see. Red Riding Hood is this one, but there's loads of different varieties. And, and particularly the older uh, listeners will remember the, the, a plant called Phlox. It grows to about two and a half feet. So you put it kind of in a, in a bowl border um, and it forms a nice clump. So particularly if you've got, say, early flowering, say, lupins mm. or peony roses that are flowering early in the season, you just want to add a splash of colour uh, that'll come every year. This is a particularly good one. So that's Phlox. Phlox. Uh, right. So the P is silent. Okay. Yes, like pharmacy. Like pharmacy. <laughs> I don't know why that's just come into my head. but uh, So there you go. So uh, that's, um, so, so there are just a the, few yeah, of the plants so, that I the thought. Wall, the wallflowers and um, I suppose you have brought in three different colours, three different varieties and they really complement each other as Don't well. They? they do because they're all quite vivid in one way but they're muted in another way if you know what I mean. I know that I'm trying to describe <laughs> colour on the radio it's very difficult um, but they they are, they're absolutely beautiful. Yeah and these yeah. are, the, remember that these are the perennial wallflowers which means you will have, have them, them year, year after year. year yeah. Okay. The only thing really to do with them when they do go out flower in the autumn is to give them a light trimming back. They actually propagate very easy from cuttings as well. Right. I shouldn't be telling you that but you can well, just take a short little stem off the plant stick it in the ground and that will actually come on root and grow so a very very and simple if, plant if you to were grow doing, if you were doing cuttings is it cuttings now that you would do or well you, it, it actually roots some cuttings at any time, time of year apart from the kind of middle of the summer when it's really really warm right. um, but they'll, they'll propagate from cuttings just short small little cuttings off the side of the plant um, in autumn or in spring this time of year actually they root very readily so it's just a nice plant very conscious of people yeah. looking for colour yeah. say in April early May there, you won't beat those. I think yeah. they're nice. And, and if you are looking for the immediate colour, you can buy the whole plant as well. So you of, don't co- oh, of course, yeah, yeah. of course. Both, both options <laughs> available. Both options available. Okay. Well, we've huge amount there. Um, we have some questions coming, Pork. So what we'll do is we'll take a quick break, and uh, we'll come to some of those. And indeed, if people do have anything specific for Pork this morning, please do send them in to us. You can text us on oh eight seven nine hundred forty one forty one. You can phone either. Teresa is taking calls this morning on oh. 
0818 and do remember the garden email is there at garden at midwestradio.ie if you ever want to drop us a note during the week right uh, let's take the break back in a few moments you're very welcome back there's a great range of questions in as per usual now we were talking about grow your own pork at the yes. start of the programme uh, there's quite a few questions actually in relation to the growing particularly of vegetables and different varieties so let me uh, throw a few of them at you all together and then we'll uh, address them one by one um, first of all a listener is wondering are mange two peas hard to grow they'd like to grow the sweet tasting peas that they can eat the pods and all oh, do yeah. they grow them from plants or seeds or when well you can do both the plants are available at the moment and the seed is, uh, you can sow at the same time. So mange too, you're literally eating the pod and all. You're eating the seeds, the pod, the entire um, uh, the, the entire seed kind of capsule. So the plant the plants at this time of year, I would also sow some seed as well. It's a very good variety called Oregon, which um, is very fast growing and produces really nice pods. They're very sweet. There's that kind of a sugar, uh, sugar sweet flavour, sugar snaps flavour. So that's one called Oregon. So sow it from seed. It's in the Thompson and Morden collection or the plants are available really at this time of year and I would actually plant a bit of both. And as I said with peas, you can sow them right up until the end of July for cropping well into the autumn, early winter. So, And the, the key thing with growing peas is that you, reg- you pick them as regularly as possible, even if you have to freeze the pods. The more you pick them, the more they flower and the more they produce. So continuous picking of the crop is really what needs to be done. So get yourself a couple of plants at this time of year. Uh, there's generally about 12 in a pack. That's more than enough. And maybe sow some seed as well and that'll give you cropping mm-hmm. right through until late autumn of this year. Monty. But monge too are equally as easy to grow as regular peas and that variety called Oregon it only grows to about two and a half maybe three feet maximum so it's it's actually doesn't need a lot of staking or supporting mm. it's quite an easy variety to grow and are there other pea varieties because uh, that you can also eat the pods because some people really do like the pods myself included sugar snaps are sugar then snaps. slightly different yeah well yeah. they're they're, that, they're a they're little more bit pea, there's more pea in them yeah, yeah exactly you allow the pea to mature a little bit more and they tend to be that a little bit sweeter as well um, so but there's a, a whole range of oh, there's probably 20 or 30 different different varieties of mange too or sugar snap varieties mm. that can be planted. Right, um, if you are looking for the whole package in one and that you yeah. don't want to be thrown away You don't want to be podding. Yeah. You know, a lot of mm. people don't like to physically have to or pod. Or some people just like to eat them. Exactly. But well, they can be very fibrous if they're, they're particularly the, the more traditional pea varieties. Yeah, and, and the, 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 the trick with the mange too as well is to pick them when they're young. Pick them before the seeds start to develop 20 grade stench. With the, the sugar snap varieties, you can allow the peas to grow to maybe a very small kind of uh, marble sized mm. pea. Um, and, and the, you know, they're, they're quite sweet at that stage. But the longer you leave them, of course, the more fibrous they're going to get. Okay. But great time to plant them. And very delicious too. Now, uh, we grew rooster potatoes for the past two years in the same plot. We right. have no option. Yeah. Uh, but they were scabby pork and if they sow a different variety, they're wondering, will the same thing happen? What's well, the, first of all, the, the scab on, on potatoes, that's due to a bacterium that's in the soil and certain varieties are more sensitive uh, than others, particularly main crop varieties like roosters, cursed pinks, can be badly damaged by scab. First of all, Consider growing them in a resistant variety. So mm. varieties like Golden Wonder, King Edward, Satanta are resistant to scab. It's not that to say that you won't get some scab on them, but they get quite a small 
amount and possibly none at all. So that's the first thing I would go. Try one of the more uh, resistant varieties. So Golden Wonder, King Edwards and Satanta are three really good varieties. If you want to go on an early variety and the, the early varieties tend to scape scab because scab needs a long period to contaminate the actual tubers. So my advice is to grow for Duke of York, Orla or Colleen as three early varieties to put in now to crop at the end of June. So stick to the, the resistant varieties because there isn't any treatment that you can add to the soil mm. to control the scab. Right. Um, so stick to the resistant varieties. You'll find Golden Wonders very good or King Edward's very good against scab and then the early varieties like Orla, Colleen and uh, uh, what was the other one Satanta. I mentioned? Well, Satanta is a main crop variety yeah. but Orla and Colleen you'll find very, very good as well against scab as an early potato. Now, strawberry plants. A listener would like to know, can they sow strawberry plants in hanging baskets in the glasshouse and cherry tomatoes in the same way? Yes, you can. Interesting uh, hanging basket. You, absolutely. Yeah. And, and strawberries, of course, they only grow four, five, six inches in height. So they're brilliant in, in hanging baskets, window boxes, containers in general. The two key things with them is, first of all, don't feed them until the fruit starts to form. Because if you feed them too heavily, you get lots of foliage, very little flower and very little fruit. So you'll have beautiful, healthy plants, mm. but no fruit on them. Right. So don't feed them, pot them up, water them, allow them to flower. And when they're flowering, open up the greenhouse or the tunnel and let the bees in, because the bees need to pollinate the fruit. Otherwise you get that square type of fruit. You won't get that perfect formed strawberry um, and once the, f- the fruit are around the size of a pea or slightly bigger that's the trigger to start feeding and you feed with a high potash uh, tomato feed during the growing season and you'll get a bumper crop mm. of strawberries cherry tomatoes if you're growing them in in uh, w- um, what, uh, window boxes or hanging baskets go for the trailing varieties like um, tumbler is a very good variety or any of the basket varieties. So, you know, look for those that will trail out of the actual basket. The other key thing with those is, again, that you open up the greenhouse when they're in flower to let the the bees pollinate the blooms and also keep them copiously watered. So plenty of water as the fruit is forming. Uh, But you could grow those cherry tomatoes in pots, You, you know, possibly better to grow them in pots because it'll break your heart trying to keep them watered in a window in a hanging basket. Strawberries will be certainly easier in this. And there's no harm if you're doing up your traditional hanging basket with your trailing petunias or trailing geraniums, stick a strawberry plant in as well. Why not? Mm -hmm. Something different, something unusual, and and it will fruit quite happily in in amongst the, the other bedding plants. Excellent. Now, um, what's next? I'm just looking for the ones that are uh, to do with uh, grow your own. Well, actually, we might come back to some of those. Uh, No, actually, here's one about compost poric, um, which kind of is related, I suppose. Um, The listener is wondering, they've dumped out the compost in their old baskets. Is it it okay to start potting up new hanging basket plants or do uh, they do have a greenhouse they can use? Ah, yeah. So what's the... Yeah, yeah, no, no, now is the time. Um, It's a great time, actually, to start doing up your hanging baskets and window boxes with trailing petunias and fuchsias and geraniums. All the plants are available at the moment. Um, And particularly if you've got a greenhouse or tunnel, that's the perfect environment. So, and the listener is dead right, get rid of the old compost because that is spent now. Put that on your compost heap and start off the baskets again with fresh compost. I would also adv- advise putting in a little bit of the slow-release fertiliser. You'll get it from Westland or from miracle Grow. It's small little capsules. You mix it through the compost. Mm. It contains a six-month feed and it, it's, it's great in that it won't burn the plants. So it only releases its nutrition as the temperature starts to rise. So add that into the compost before you put in your plants. And generally for a traditional window box, you're putting in about eight to ten plants to get a nice full yeah. effect. Okay. But it, certainly from now on, 
Uh, it's a it's really a good time. Something I actually just will come yep. to mind there. Um, I mentioned last week we had a listener looking for a cure for wireworm. Actually, we have one again. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so we'll talk about that. Yeah, well, well, just to, to mention, I, I did a bit of searching around and there mm-hmm. is actually a product. Um, there is a treatment that can be used. It's not a chemical. It's a, a natural um, occurring a product called Super Nemos, which are um, parasitic. They feed actually on the larvae of wireworm and as as I mentioned last week wireworm is a pest of grassland in particular but also a pest of potatoes mm-hmm. and where you have it in the soil it can remain up to three years before it actually matures so if you've got it in your soil you still have it in the soil you have wireworm there mm-hmm. and you'll find the super nemo is very effective on controlling and killing wireworm it's also very effective on uh, pests like vine weevil uh, cutworms any of those soil borne pests um, it's totally organic you mix it up in your washing can you apply it at this time of year when the temperature is nice and warm and they get to work straight away. Um, so that's a product called Super Nemos. They're available at the moment. You can apply them at this time of year. So if you've got any kind of soil-borne pests like wireworm, leather jackets, um, cutworms, vine weevil, any of those sort of guys that are gnawing away at your plants, uh, use the Super Nemo product and do it this sort of weather, this sort of warm temperatures it works it works straight away so once you apply it it's actually working in the following day to kill off the pest that's that's very fast altogether now staying with uh, grow your own pork Evelyn good morning to you Evelyn would like to know how do you make a raised bed to grow vegetables well for most vegetables all you need is the raised bed needs to be no higher than about 8 inches off the soil so don't go to the bother of unless you want from a from some people maybe if they have a bad back they want the bed you know Higher two up. or three feet high but mm. you'll actually grow a wide range of plants with eight or nine inches of soil raised soil so you can get a simple uh, board you know even the the uh, what's what's actually used a lot now are the scaffolding bowl, mm-hmm. boards ID up on the edge um, and then fill it with good quality soil compost um, if you've got some garden compost mix that through it as well so you're really looking for an 8 or 9 inch layer of soil that's been enriched with compost and fertiliser and that's perfect for growing your peas your beans your lettuces your cabbage your cauliflowers your broccoli all of those plants will do perfectly well in an 8 or 9 inch depth of soil if you're growing potatoes then double the height of the board so come up another 8 inches so 16 to 18 inches for potato crops but everything else you'll be able to grow in a raised bed that's no more than 8 or 9 inches high above the soil level and you'd be amazed in a relatively small area the amount of plants you'll grow onions, shallots, garlic radishes, beetroot lettuces, peas, beans all of those plants will do perfectly well in a raised bed Okay. And a good time to actually start it off now. Okay, brilliant. Okay, we're going to take a, a quick break then. Uh, we still have lots more to come, so stay with us. Now, Porik, first of all, there's, there's a lot of questions on lawns and I know we kind of have them well covered over the last couple of weeks. Um, there's questions on moss, uh, both course. on lawns and yeah. indeed off lawns as well. And uh, questions regarding uh, daisies and docks and a few um, kind of grass growing in between shrubs. But as you say, we do have um, the gentleman yeah. from Osmo coming yeah, over Mr. the weekend. Yeah, Mr Osmo, he's, he's yeah. there. He's actually probably so there So it at might the be a good idea for people maybe to go directly and have a chat with him. Come down and see us today or 
more tomorrow between 12 and 5 Mr Osmo will be there he'll talk and he's an expert in lawns so he'll talk to you about if you're sowing a new lawn if you've got existing problems in the lawn come down and chat to him and I'll be there anyway for the the afternoon and we we can cover lawns comprehensively comprehensively great Um, because I know we have a good bit of information covered on them already on the programme over the last couple of weeks Um, but if there are specifics it might be this is a great opportunity for people and remember that you can also get lots of information on horkins.ie on the I have the fact sheet there on using Osmo and using the the various products as well for getting the lawn back into tip top condition. Okay, right. Let's move on to a few plants then. Um, yeah. Forest flame. Oh, a listener yeah, has a forest favorite. flame, not showing any red new growth. And they're wondering should they have uh, should this have been started in a big pot or do they need need to plant it out? Well, forest flame. Unless you're you're um, it's it's too early yet for it to be showing color in a very sheltered garden. And I actually was in Dublin over the over the last few days and. There, as always, that couple of weeks ahead of us in terms of um, the spring season, the cherries are in flower and, and forest flame is showing its lovely colour uh, on the east coast at the moment. But mm-hmm. it, it, it's a, a tad too early just here. You'll probably find this week now that you'll see the colour just starting. Um, growing it in a pot is a great way to grow forest flame because it's a lime-hating plant. It needs that uh, lime-free soil. Um, so continue to grow it in the pot uh, give it a good feed at this time of year. So I would put on the, you can get a specific feed for Forest Flame called Ericaceous Fertiliser. It's a slow-release feed. Apply it at this time of year and you simply just spread it on the top of the pot. About two handfuls will be sufficient for a good-sized plant. And the rain will wash that in or uh, you can certainly water it in. And that will also then help help to get a lovely rich green in the older foliage and it will also encourage the lovely uh, flush of red colour to come into the forest flame over the next couple of weeks. So just be patient with it. It is going to colour. Um, the more sheltered your garden is, of course, the, the earlier that colour will come forward. But certainly I would expect by within a week, 10 days, the lovely red, red colour will come on your forest That's flame. Okay. Yeah, so feed it. That's really all it needs. And a little bit of time. Give it a bit of a boost, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now here's an interesting one. Um, a listener has heard that you can get a plant called the mother-in-law's ear. <laughs> And can it it be got? Well, there there are a couple of plants called the mother-in-law's plant. Uh, Mother-in-law's ear or mother-in-law's tongue is another another one as well. (laughs) Poor mother-in-law's, So So mother-in-law's ear is, caladium is a a plant which has large, very large kind of heart-shaped leaves. They're they're like an elephant's ear type uh, shading with green and kind of a pink uh, centre pigment. That sounds very nice. Um, so it comes under many names, but but mother-in-law's ear is one of those that it's it's often called uh, by. Mother-in-law's tongue is a plant called Sansevieria, which has strap-like foliage, really uh, strong. Frond, frondy type stuff. Well, no, it's 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 leathery. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sword-like. <laughs> Oh, God almighty. Really mother-in-law's getting a hard rap. Go Sansevieria. on. So that's mother-in-law's tongue. It's, it grows to about two feet in height, uh, strap-like foliage. It's actually one of these those really easy plants to grow, a bit like our friend the aloe vera. Right. And once you have it, uh, grows, loves to grow in a tight pot, reads, needs repotting every two or three years. They're available as plants at the moment. Um, so call into your local garden centre and, and look for them. Um, but uh, and, and such an easy plant to grow. So, so right, so mother-in-law plant rather than maybe mother-in-law's ear yeah. there. Um, but obviously, okay, that's a, an interesting one. Um, now, a listener purchased some of the easy flower packs All right, uh, great. last week. And they're like, do I need, to, they're wondering, do they need to add potting compost before they plant them or is it okay? 
okay to spread it as How did it you is. get to get on with yours? They're in. Are they? Yeah, Fair play. Yeah, they're Fair in. Play. Yeah, so, yes. so uh, to remind us, getting on very well actually. So re- reminding listeners what it is, it, it basically it's is an all uh, in one. Uh, all in one, exactly. <laughs> so it, it actually contains the compost, it contains the fertilizer, and it contains a collection of seeds. And you simply just spread it onto a piece of bare soil. They'll germinate. It'll be interesting to see now when when yours start to germinate. But I would expect them in about another ten days. You'll start to see the first signs of the easy flowers coming through and they should then come into flower about the end of May flowering then right through the summer so it'll be interesting to see how they do it. So the answer to the question is no you don't, you don't need any compost simply rake the soil, the border soil shake on the easy flower mix rake it in and that's it, stand back and, 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 and wait yep. for the plants to germinate. We're, we're going to try and take photographs as it oh, goes yeah, along. Oh yeah, yeah, do that. We have a little experiment going exactly, now exactly. to uh, see how it all progresses. Mm. For, so. well, and it's still plenty of time to sow them. I mean, the yeah. temperatures now at the moment are actually ideal uh, for putting them in. So, yeah, they're good. Um, now, I brought in a problem as well. Yes, you did. Yeah. Your, da- so your daffodils. Daffodils. Um, <clears throat> well, not me now. These are from my mother's garden. As we know, I don't really have a garden. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, so she has these daffodils. Now, she's got lots of daffodils and they do look, some of them look fantastic, but some seem to be getting eaten away. She feels it's a fly, but you have a different Well, theory. no, I mean, certainly flies can attack them yeah. uh, like anything else. But also remember this time of year, slugs are, are ver- can damage uh, daffodil flowers um, many pe- many many garden pests like hares and rabbits and cattle won't touch daffodils right. because they have a they have a kind of a toxin in the both the stem and the leaf and you'll often see in a in a meadow you'll, you'll see the daffodils flowering beautifully amongst a herd of cattle they won't touch them because they dislike the taste oh. slugs and snails are different in that they don't have it's like slug and snail can eat rat poison and they're, they're not as selective they don't have a stomach so they actually don't taste the toxin in the daffodil. Oh. So they're one of the few pests that actually uh, attack daffodils. And I have a batch of daffodils growing in the garden up through gravel. Yeah. And slugs won't cross gravel. They won't cross anything that's coarse or gritty or, uh, you know, rough on their skin. So the daffodils growing in the gravel are never affected by slugs. Mm. But those growing in the flower beds or under the hedge are always attacked. Yeah. So you'll always get a certain amount and they're nocturnal. They come out at night time so you won't see them, them feeding. And they'll feed particularly on the flower buds. And you'll see this kind of um, irregular eating of the petals. Yes, which, would which be, is what's happened but, here. Yeah, but you'd also get, and I can see a little bit of slime just on these as well from, from some, obviously some uh, slug um, damage visitation yeah. yeah they've been there on them but you can also get there are certain flies that will feed on them as well like red spider mite capsid bug um, and if it's any of those then an insecticide would control that now what I would say in this case is the damage has been done Yeah. so there's no point in spraying Leave, leave it alone. But for next year, in early, late February, early March, as the daftas are coming through and as the buds are beginning to form, okay. a little bit of slug control, but also you could use an insecticide at that time of year, a systemic insecticide that will control any pests that may attack okay. the actual flower. And uh, I suppose as a, an addition to the question, because she has different varieties yeah, in the I can garden. See that. So lovely. these are um, maybe more modern varieties. She's called them the more expensive bulbs yeah. in, her, in, her, in her world. Right. Um, uh, whereas more, the more, more cherished probably more, well, as well. Well, I don't know about that. But the more traditional varieties um, or ones that maybe have been there, I don't know, are they there longer or not? But they're not affected at all. So yeah. it's it's almost targeted by variety, it appears. Or well, at least that's her theory. Yes, well some, some absolutely, some varieties can be. I, I notice quite, particularly the dwarf varieties, the shorter mm. varieties are attacked more and you know, no more than other garden plants pests will have their own favourites to, to uh, and particularly the old the the older varieties are a lot more coarser. Yes. The flowers are coarser and the leaves are coarser. Um, but really, 
this time of year, there's nothing really dear to, that it, it's worth doing on them because you're not going to save the the, the damage has been caused. So and and daffodils are really at, at full colour at the they moment. Are, now, yeah. if you had late varieties that weren't flowering just yet, the buds were just there, then certainly Take, it's worth give it a spray. Yeah, and, and you, you you can use something like tumblebug, which would control any foliar and, and flower pests on daffodils, and a little bit of slug control at this time of year as well. You'd be amazed how, how the slugs love them as well. Yeah, well, it's a, it's, it's probably a combination. It's, a it's probably a combination of it's factors, all right. Anyway, that's my question answered. Okay. I promised faithfully I would address that. Um, now, found a load of begonia and dahlia bulbs uh, purchased in January. There seems to be new shoots on them. They were in, they're purchased in there and she found them in her dad's garage. Um, seems to be new shoots on the, them on all the bulbs. Is it okay to plant them? Oh yeah, I was going to say I, I take Get it that they haven't been planted. Yes, yeah. so yeah, plant pot them up now. If they're begonias and dahlias, I would keep them indoors for about two to three weeks. So start them off in pots now. Get them started on a, a bright windowsill or in your greenhouse or tunnel, and mm-hmm. um, with with an intention to plant them out then about the first week of May. Um, if they're things like gladioli, lilies, agapanthus, any of the kind of hardier bulbs, they should go straight into the garden soil now, and it's a great time to plant. If you're putting gladioli in, put in about a dozen into a into a uh, maybe a meter by a meter area so plant them together to give that nice clumped effect um, lilies again should be put in maybe in groups of threes or fives put a bit of sand under them and uh, that really helps them um, but yes get them potted up the fact that there's a couple of buds coming on them you can see how they're coming into growth now so get them into pots and containers or plant them directly out into the soil and it's actually still a good time to be planting up dahlia tubers or begonia tubers you've still got time to um, to grow them on because they're not going to be flowering until the end of June anyway. Okay. Is it too early to plant gladioli in the garden or will the frost do them harm? No, as I, as I mentioned, the gladioli yeah. bulbs, um, if you've got them, plant Sorry. them. No, they're, they're frost hardy and you, and they actually come back for many years. So get them out into the garden now. And indeed, you know, plants like lupins and phlox and the peony roses, all those herbaceous flowering plants, this is the time of year to get them into the soil for, for colour from June onwards. Okay. And gladioli are great for, as a cut flower, really super cut flower. Uh Excellent. Now, one or two hedging type questions, if we may. Um, sorry, now we're skipping through things here. Apologies. Um, somebody's wondering: Is it too late to sow white thorn? Well, it's it's you're kind of coming on the on the. Uh the border. I mean, the growth has started. Now, if you've got the plants, then get them into the ground straight away. And, and whitethorn is such a, a tough, hardy plant, but it's, it's getting late. Normally up to the end of March is the time for the bare root season. Having said that, if the plants haven't come into any significant growth, which they shouldn't have just yet, you've got another week, 10 days sort of window to get them in. So if you've got the plants, get those bare-rooted whitethorn into the soil now, firm them in well and they'll do very well for you. Tip them back a little little bit as well. Just actually trim them, the tops of them back to get them to sprout out. But if listeners have beech or any of the other broad-leaved hedging plants, get them into the ground now. The weather is absolutely perfect, perfect. ideal for getting them in. Now, Jar in Clare Galway has a couple of questions for you. Uh, and again, very much in the theme or on the theme of growing your own, which we're talking about this morning on the programme. Rhubarb not doing well, Porik. Um, for what, what, what might one be able to do with well, it? Well, feed it, feed it. Um, like rhubarb actually struggled a bit through. And it, it was one of the things actually I was, I was talking to somebody about during the week that we, the spring while or the winter while it was very mild, plants kind of, um, the snowdrops come into flower very early, but then things stopped in January and February. 
February. And rhubarb had that kind of rough time that time of year as it was coming through the soil. But over the last week or so, it's really thriving. And I have rhubarb actually ready for picking uh, at this time of year. But the key thing, the key trick with it is to feed it and feed it well. And if using something like a, the Seamongus fertilizer, mm. I put that on the plants about three weeks ago and they're now ready for eating. And they're a fantastic green colour and uh, with nice red stems. So feed it well. Rhubarb responds to that and in three weeks time you'll, you should have sticks ready for picking. Excellent. And uh, Jar would also like to know what vegetables grow best in a polytunnel? Well, using your polytunnel for kind of quick mature, no, having said that, you can grow potatoes or particularly the early varieties mm. um, in pots and containers to bring them on that bit faster. Lettuces, any of the salad crops, onions, scallions, beetroot, radishes, um, all of those at this time of year can be grown in the tunnel. Uh, then you can switch to things like tomatoes, melons, cucumbers, strawberries that we talked about earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, so using the tunnel kind of at this time of year to get things started and to get kind of a head start and, and, and to push things on. Even sowing seeds in the tunnel with the intent of planting out in a month's time. So you're using the tunnel, like the temperatures out of doors today might be 14 degrees but in the tunnel it'll be 18 degrees so plants are coming on that bit bit faster. So all the salad crops could be planted this time of year. Strawberries would be brilliant in the greenhouse or the tunnel. Um, and then some early potatoes, why not put some of those in? Tomato plants are available at the moment for planting up in your tunnel. Um, melons, cucumbers, all of those can be planted. Now here's a question I know that came in very earlier, uh, much earlier, and I uh, forgot to mention it uh, at the start of the program. Uh, a listener bought a camellia two years ago. Great. It's it is healthy looking, but it's never flowered, okay. and they take it indoors in winter. Well, it shouldn't need to be brought indoors for the winter. To be honest, I mean, camellia is an outdoor hardy plant. I, the fact that it's in a pot, I would actually place it in a sheltered spot out of doors in a kind of a shaded area for the winter period. Bring it indoors actually can do it unless you're putting into it into a cold conservative or a cold um, you know, patio area uh, you're, you can actually do it harm if it's in a kind of a centrally heated room that will actually set the camellia back so remember that it is an outdoor plant and should stay outdoors to be honest all year round the fact that you've got it in a pot allows you to move it in the winter to a more sheltered spot the other key thing with camellias is to feed them well during the summer period so starting about the first week of May you feed them right through the growing season because however well they grow this summer determines how they flower the following spring. Mm. Um, and you can use the ericaceous feed that I talked about the with the Pieris forest flame. That The camellias are in the same sort of family, like the same soil conditions and the same feed. So my advice is to leave that plant out all year round, feed it well from now on and feed it right through the summer period and you're going to build it up for next year because if there are no flower buds on it at the moment, Nothing you can do oh, is going to bring flower buds on it for this spring. So you're really growing it for next year. And bring it inside. You're actually doing it. You're probably damaging it a little bit, particularly if it's a, a, a heated or centrally heated area where it's going into. You're setting the plant back. Final question. Uh, is it difficult to get the seed for sweet potatoes? No. Well, sweet potatoes are actually grown from the tubers. You know the tubers that you buy in the yes. shops? That's how you how you grow them. So um, buy yourself a couple of those in the greengrocer and pot them up into a into a like you grow ordinary potatoes you actually put them into a, a pot and grow them on that way so you can use what you, what you could actually do is buy the sweet potato yep. stick it on the windowsill for maybe two weeks it'll yep. actually start to sprout like a traditional potato you'll get two or three sprouts on it yep. split it up into two or three pieces and then put it into a large pot grow it in the tunnel the listener that had the question about the tunnel yeah. you could grow it right. in the tunnel or your greenhouse or a nice shade they need a bit of heat so. they need uh, yeah, a really sunny spot in the garden and and uh, it should produce 
sweet potatoes by October of next year. Now, remember, it's a novelty. You're not going to feed the family yeah, on this. But, <laughs> so but it's more for novelty yeah. or a bit of crack to grow, the, grow them. But yeah, that's the way they're growing. Great stuff. Okay, that's all we have time for this morning. But the advice that we get on... Today, uh, from 12 o'clock right through till 5, I'll be there myself and the whole team will be there. So, and it's a drop-in. So just drop in any time you want. Bring in your, your gardening question, your problem. Or drop in for a chat if you have anything on it. garden-related and we'll, we'll solve uh, the problem. We'll give you some ideas. And we're there tomorrow as well from 12 o'clock to 5pm. Okay, there you go. No excuses. Porik, thanks indeed for thanks, all of the information this morning. Uh, we're back again next Saturday. Until then, a very good morning to you.